going on everybody my name is ben and you are listening to the first episode of the a secret to everybody podcast now you may be asking a secret to everybody is a line from zelda and that is true but this podcast is not going to be just about zelda it's going to be about all things gaming occasionally some technology and occasionally some random crap that i make up so i thank you for listening again i'm ben and this is the first episode of a secret to everybody podcast uh, I did the start of doing this podcast because a while back I wanted to start doing some gameplay videos and you know like some commentary over them and stuff, and uh, that didn't really work out too well. I might be doing that in the future again, but I didn't really have enough ideas and I felt it kind of hard to talk um, about the game long enough. So I figured a podcast might be a little bit better, um, kind of easy to publish. Um, my friends could listen to it, stuff like that. So I hope you enjoy it, and I'm hoping to um, do a lot of episodes of it and have fun with it. So uh, the first thing I want to talk about is, um, true to the name of the show, I want to talk about the uh, Zelda Uber Challenge that I most recently did. Uh, If you don't know about that, it is a challenge in Ocarina of Time that is pretty much the hardest way you can possibly play through the game. Uh, I did it just because I've played through Ocarina of Time like a ton of times. I played through it on the N64, GameCube, I played through it with my best friend Mikey G. Um, I played through it a bunch of times and I wanted to do something different. Uh, I had previously done a three heart challenge on it where you go through and it's like a medium run through. Um, it's sort of like you have three hearts, can't use your shield, but you still play through the game normally. Uh, in the Uber challenge, it was a lot harder. Um, you have to do these weird things, like you have to do all these weird glitches. Um, if you've been checking out my YouTube channel, you can see the um, the cuckoo jump you have to do as a kid, where you jump over the Gerudo's Valley Gate. It's really difficult to do. Um, some stuff like that. So I thought it'd be a, it'd be a way to really uh, learn the game well and just kind of find out some of the weird stuff like that. So um, and there's, I think it's really cool about Zelda too, especially Ocarina of Time. Why I love it so much is it's partially this nostalgia factor. I mean, that was one of the first games I can remember playing and like you know, getting immersed in the story, and that, and it's just a timeless game, which is why I think I love it so much, and obviously everybody else does too, but I find something new about Ocarina of Time, like, every time I play, I mean, seriously, I mean, from the Uber Challenge, I learned about glitches like the Cuckoo Jump, and how you can get into the Shadow Temple early, um, you, I beat the Water Temple without the Iron Boots, which sounds weird, but you can look it up, um, it's possible, it's tough, but it's possible, um, but I learned some stuff about Zelda that when I, this time I played through even not glitchy stuff. Like for example, I did not know that you could shoot the guards in Gerudo's Fortress. Um, you know when you, when you get captured and you have to move through and rescue all the carpenters at the at, near the end of the game. There, I did not know you could shoot them with an arrow or you can hit them with your hook shot and hit them with your sword. I did not know that at all. And that would have made it about ten times easier. And there's actually an area that you had to go to to, to um, perform a glitch for the Uber Challenge that you have to shoot the Gerudo to go through, to get to. So I never went to that area before because I didn't know about that, so that's kind of weird. I also never knew about, when you fight Bongo Bongo, the boss of the Shadow Temple, the hover boots help out a ton. Uh, I did not know that either. Um, I never really used them before. I just didn't think about it. I mean, normally in a Zelda game, it's second nature. You know, you want to use the item that you got in that dungeon. Um, to fight the boss makes it easier, but in this, I just never thought of it, I guess. It does make it easier. I mean, it's not impossible without it, but when you're doing the Uber Challenge, and you can see my video of Bongo Bongo on my YouTube channel, um, it makes it a lot easier when you have the hover boots on. And I also, finally, I didn't know that you can use the hook shot on Ganon um, in the Ganon's final form after he knocks your Master Sword away. Um, I didn't know that it was possible to use the hook shot on him. I always thought you had to use the Megaton Hammer if you didn't have the um, Bigoron Sword already. And that makes it a whole lot easier if you can use the hook shot, because when I did my three heart challenge before, 
I didn't know the... I mean, you can't get the big Goron Sword in that in the easier challenge either, but I didn't know about the hook shot, so I was trying to roll under his legs, and if you get hit one time, you go all the way back to the start of Ganondorf, so that's why I never finished the three-heart challenge. Uh, moving on here, I want to go into uh, a story I read a couple of days ago about um, a dad who's... who's um, He's a video game developer, not not a well-known one, but he does make games and he works in that field. Uh, his name is Mike Mika, and uh, there's a story I'll read from it on online here on an interview on him on uh, Wired.com. He talks about how he has a little a young daughter, um, and she's only three years old, but she has been fascinated with video games. And he he doesn't like make her play, but he kind of encourages it, you know, like a you know a good dad would, I guess. Um, and he said like her favorite game is Donkey Kong, and um, she said he watched the King of Kong documentary with her, things like that, so she's really into Donkey Kong. And one day they were playing the game, and she asked him, I want to play as the girl, Pauline, and save Mario, um, who actually is known as Jumpman, if you know your trivia, but we'll call him Mario for the purposes of this. Um, so, like, to a little kid who's only three, it makes sense, because it says in the interview that um, her, they have played Super Mario Bros. 2, which is the one where you know the, the one where you pick vegetables and you can play as Mario, Luigi, Peach, or Toad. So I guess to a three-year-old kid, I mean, it only makes sense that you would be able to, you know, pick any character you wanted. So to her, it's just, you know, how do I select Pauline, the girl? And Dad said he didn't know what to do, and he really wanted to make his daughter happy, so that night, he opened up a ROM editor and basically modified the game so you can play as Pauline instead of Mario, and he changed the little M in the top left corner to, to a P to, simplif to uh, simplify Pauline. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, there's a video of one on YouTube. It was just uploaded on March 9th, which is a week ago. It has a 1,900,000 views already. Um, I checked it out for the first time like three days ago, and it already had almost a million. So that's a super fast-growing video for you know a non like Call of Duty trailer or something. Obviously, that gets a ton of views, but for something that some guy just did in his spare time, I mean that's pretty crazy. Um, a lot of comments on here, but the other thing I want to talk about is kind of the reactions to that, um, I think it's kind of weird that uh, there's all kinds of, like, feminist reactions to this, like, oh, we need to have women represented more in video games, and, oh, this is, this girl's gonna be a feminist when she grows up, like, this guy said he was getting all kinds of, like, inappropriate comments about his daughter on Reddit and YouTube and stuff, and I just think, like, I don't understand why everything has to be interpreted as this big, like, making a statement, you know what I mean? Because, like, this dad... He was doing this because his daughter, I mean, she's three years old. It's not like she understands how a video game works, especially an older one like that that's not super customizable. But I think he was just doing it as a nice, you know, thing to do for his daughter. It wasn't like he was trying to make a statement to the greater gaming community. But, I mean, maybe you can weigh in on that. Um, I don't know. I mean, are, are women underrepresented? I mean, most games like fighting games or, you know, games like, like sports games... Most, you know, like SSX Tricky or Tony Hawk or games of that nature can let you, let you play as guys or girls, and I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing either way. But, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. I don't think it was a big deal that he would do that, and I think it's cool. I mean, who hasn't wanted to modify old games like that at some point? Uh, speaking of Donkey Kong, the next thing I want to cover is um, I, something I actually mentioned on that, um, that interview I read with Mike. Um... I just recently watched a documentary a couple of nights ago called The King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters, and it's actually about the same thing, Donkey Kong. Um, I, he I first heard about this in the, um, the Guinness Book of World Records. They put, a, they put out a, a gamer's edition every year. Um, they've been doing that since, like, 07 or 09 or something like that. It's been going for at least five years, so probably 07 or 08. But um, I first read about that in there. Um, Twin Galaxies, who is a, the big, um, like, video game score verifier, verifier recording, um, you know, 
making sure scores are legitimate, that sort of thing. Um, they teamed up with Guinness World Records to make the Gamers Edition, um, and so all the records in there are verified. They're probably on Twin Galaxies' website, but it was cool to have it in, you know, like a Guinness World Records form because I was already a fan of the book. Um, I first read about it in there, and it talked about this guy named Billy Mitchell, who was the world champion holder um, score of Donkey Kong. And he actually, he's like a really big guy in the gaming industry, or community, rather. Um, he, he, I think, I, I believe he was the first person to ever get um, the, all the way through Pac-Man. And when you beat that game, I think there's like 250 boards or something. I've, I've, I have to check that. But um, when you beat the entire game, the game um, runs out of memory and ends with like a split screen. Like you get half the screen as actual Pac-Man, and half the screen is like this jumbled up mess. Um, so that was pretty cool. And... That means he's really awesome because it's really difficult to do that in the first place. I mean, I think he. I mean, think about all the time it was. I mean, just the time in general. Um, so I'm I'm looking this up here. Um, yeah, it looks like the internal level counter when that reaches over 255 due to the memory of the system. So he you have to get past 255 screens to crash Pac-Man. So there's your trivia for the day. Um, so anyway, so this Billy Mitchell guy, he did all that and he's really awesome. But he also holds the um the score for Donkey Kong. And he um, was challenged by this guy named, uh, his name escapes me right now, let me look this up, uh, Steve Wiebe, that was it, Steve Wiebe. And this guy, Steve Wiebe, he got laid off, he was working an engineering job and got laid off, and he decided that he wanted to beat um, Billy Mitchell's high score. And he was pretty darn good from what the um, documentary showed, it wasn't a real long documentary, it was a little under an hour and a half, but basically what happened was, this guy named uh, Roy, was it Roy Schilt? Um, he was sort of Billy Mitchell's like nemesis. Like, it, it was they were basically acting like a baby. Like Roy, Billy, Billy's records got him famous. Roy's records didn't get him famous. So Roy be, kind of became Billy's enemy, and so they were at odds all the time. So what happened was this Steve Weeby guy teamed up with Roy, un, un, unknowing that Roy and um, Billy Mitchell, the world record holder, were at odds. And Roy gave Steve the contender. Uh, a board, like, 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 as he was playing on an actual arcade, he wasn't playing on, like, a Nintendo, he gave him, like, the, like, the circuit board for the game, and Steve recorded himself, he beat Billy Mitchell's high score and sent him to the Twin Galaxies, but Twin Galaxies said, once they found out that it was, um, had a connection with that Roy guy, actually, Billy Mitchell and a couple of his cronies went to, went to Steve's house, and they pretty much, like, barged in, literally, like, they show his wife talking, and they, she said that, like, she didn't want them to come in, they came in anyway, but, uh, they barged in and took took the arcade machine, checked it out, sent pictures, and they ultimately ruled that since he may have had a connection with Roy, they couldn't they couldn't qualify that. And so obviously Steve was ticked off. And in the movie they show Billy he says multiple times, like, I think that scores that uh, scores done in public are way better than a score done, you know, on videotape sent in, that kind of thing. And so Steve, trying to go farther and verify that he is a good Donkey Kong player, um, he actually goes to Fun Spot, which is a well-known game, like arcade community, and apparently their Donkey Kong machine is a little bit harder than all the other ones. I don't know if that's just superstition or whatever. But so, and I'm not gonna, I, I'm, I don't want to tell you about the whole thing. I don't want to get too boring here. But long story short, Steve breaks the world record at Fun Spot. He ends the game in a kill screen, which is the same thing I, t- I was talking about in Pac-Man, where the um, game runs out of memory and just glitches. Um, actually, in this, in Donkey Kong, you just you just fall over dead, and that's the end of the game. But anyway, so Steve beats the highest score of Billy. He gets almost a million points. And then right right after that, Billy used an older lady that was coming to perform a high score run for a, a different game. He gave her a videotape, 
and they played it in front of Twin Galaxies, in front of the head of Twin Galaxies, and it was a bad quality tape, but it showed Billy scoring over a million points. And so the guy that said talked all about, um, you know, scoring in public, and you know, that's that's the way that it should be, sends in a videotape to beat his score. It's like it just, it's a good movie. I mean, it really like I think I think Billy's character is such a jerk like that. It gives and it makes it interesting. You know, as a documentary because you feel like you're part of the story. Um, you, you know, you're kind of rooting for Steve because he's the nice guy, you know, with a cool family that you know. Donkey Kong is not his life, but you know, like once once this all progresses, he really wants to make a you know he wants to make his name carved out in the Donkey Kong world, but I think it's really interesting to see Billy's character and just how, what a jerk he is. But anyway, so I'll, I'll let you watch the movie. I won't tell you about the whole thing. Um, I don't want to get too boring here. But uh, a couple more things, and then we're going to close out the first episode. Um, I want to talk about a couple games I've been playing. Um, my first game I, I recently just finished is called Anodine. Um, it is an indie game that was released by two guys, um, Sean Hogan and Jonathan Kitika. Um, it was released, like, the beginning of February, um, last month. It's a pretty sweet game. Um, you can get it right now on their website, which I'll have a link to, if possible. Um, you can get it on Desura, or, and it's coming to Steam. It was greenlit. Um, it's a pretty sweet game. It's really reminiscent of, um, was it Zelda Link's Awakening on the Game Boy? If you've played that, kind of like a Dreamland-type game. It's reminiscent of Zelda, the 2D Zeldas, um, but it's not a copy, you know what I mean? It's not like a cheap version, like you'll play it for five minutes and think that they ripped it off. It's it's very well done. Um, it's their first game, so it's pretty sweet that they were able to make it that good. Um, it's not super long. I beat it in a, about under five hours, but it's a really good game, and you get a really cool ability at the end of the game that encourages a lot of exploration, and there's more content to be found than just finishing the game. So um, I definitely recommend that. It's it's under 10 bucks, and like I said, it'll be coming to Steam Greenlight really soon. They've been working really hard on it. Um, it has joypad support, which I use. It's really simple. It's only a couple buttons if you prefer a keyboard, but definitely check that out if you like the top-down games in Zelda. The music's awesome. Um, it really adds the atmosphere of the game, so I would definitely check that out if you're into that. And I'm probably going to start playing A Link to the Past soon. Um, I... I finished that, I played that one time, my cousin had it on Game Boy Advance when they made a remake of it, and I played it then, but I haven't played it for, I mean, it's been forever, probably been at least six or seven years, so I'm probably going to start playing that again, because I don't remember very much about it, and I know a lot of people love it, so I'm going to check that out, obviously you can tell I'm really into Zelda, um, I don't know why, I just had a Zelda kick lately, I kind of get on things, you know, like I was on Fallout 3 for a long time, and then kind of got, I didn't really get bored of it, but I stopped playing it over break, and then, because I was playing Black Ops and stuff, and then just kind of got on Zelda recently. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. And I just randomly thought of this, and I want to talk about it for a minute. Um, I really want to play Animal Crossing. Um, I don't know if you guys have played Animal Crossing. It was a game on GameCube, um, DS, there's a Wii version. It's pretty much, it's kind of like, it's sort of like, the, it's like the Sims and Harvest Moon mix, kind of. Neither of which I've actually played, so that's kind of a stupid observation to be making, I guess. But... Um, it's kind of like a, you move into a town that's populated by animals, and it's like a it's a real time game. So you set the clock, and when you go in, at, you know two in the two in the afternoon, it's two in the afternoon there, and different things happen. But I recently saw that there's going to be a new Animal Crossing on the 3DS. Um, it's called Animal Crossing New Leaf in Japan, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that is going to be pretty cool. Like I, they show different things, like the, the characters are going to be a little bit taller. You can customize. I forget if you can customize their sh their sh shoes or something about maybe their height. I don't remember what it is. You can go swimming. 
Um, I think you become like the mayor of a town. Like I, I watched a preview for it online. It looks really sweet. I think it's supposed to be coming out June or July in the summer for the U- U.S. Um, I don't actually have a 3DS, and I probably won't get one, but it looks pretty cool, and it made me think about Animal Crossing because I had good times with that game. used to play the GameCube one all the time with my friends, and me and my friend Mike would play the 3DS one like crazy. Or, I'm sorry, the DS one like crazy, Wild World. Especially once we found an online site where you could play it online with other people, you know what I mean? Like, you could fill out your catalog and exchange codes with people and check stuff out and that kind of thing. So, um, that's pretty much all I want to talk about for the first episode. Um, so I, I thank you guys for listening. Again, this has been the um, A Secret to Everybody show. I'm Ben. Um, I'll hopefully be publishing the podcast on a bi-weekly or a weekly basis. I'm not totally sure. Um, it depends on what, you know, what kind of content I get, um when I, you know, what my schedule is, I'll be home for spring break next couple weeks, so it might be fun to do an episode at home, um, so I appreciate you guys listening again, and if there's anything you want me to ever talk about or discuss, um, if you know someone that would like to be a guest on the show or anything like that, uh, just let me know, and that'd be really cool, I would like to discuss, I mean, anything you want, a game or an idea, um, you know, post on Facebook or tweet me or anything like that, and, um, that's pretty much it, guys, so I really appreciate you listening, again, I'm Ben, And um, this music I got from a website. It is called So Let's See What You Can by Alexander Zelenov. And we will close with that. Take it easy. (laughs) 